What's going on guys, I'm Tate Trevi Kids, where you're talking about the Big Ten's decision to cancel fall football, how the NCAA is going to handle college basketball, giving an update on how all the other sports have been performing in their bubbles, and a quick breakdown of UFC fight coming up. So let's go. And welcome to Trophy Kids, presented by Bad News Media. It is August 14th, and we are back. So as you probably have noticed, there hasn't been any content creation going on here for a couple weeks. We had a little things going on behind the scenes, a little reshuffling. I'm changing up kind of how we're going to bring Trophy Kids here for you in the future going forward. we got some kind of new stuff going through. The new thing that you're going to notice right off the bat is instead of having stagnant co-hosts, we're going to rotate co-hosts in every so often, give fresh voices, fresh point of views especially around specialized content. So some hosts will be more specialized in other areas, but it's going to be good, I think, in the long term. Today, I have two guests with me, my good friend, Tim and Dante. How are we doing today, gentlemen? Doing, doing great. great. Yeah, a lot of exciting news in the sports world. So that's why we got you two on today. The big news of the week the Big Ten football, starting the domino effect of canceling fall football. These two guys are Michigan State fans, Big Ten aficionados, we'll say. Yep. And Big Ten alum for me. Yes, and Big uh, Ten alum. Not so much <laughs> Not so much for me. So, um, of course, yeah, let, let's talk about the botched rollout of this, where all the speculation – came out and it was like big 10 has canceled the season it has canceled the season and then the big 10 comes out and said we have not had a single meeting about canceling their season obviously that was a lie yeah such a lie <laughs> to have a vote they had numbers on a vote where did those come from those don't just get made up a 12 to 2 vote does not just get made up now and we knew it was iowa and nebraska right that the two who voted no so or voted yes so, yeah, it was a lie. I believe that it was a test, right? They put it out there to see how people would react and then pulled it back after mm-hmm. they realized they botched it. Yeah, the, I do. and that test did not go well. They ended no. up just getting <laughs> bullied on the internet. And I, to the point where I honestly thought they might step back and say, well, let's, let us reconsider. But this is also what happens when you wait until August, the week of the 14th. Kids are already reporting to school. Like, I know... We're me and Tim are alums of Xavier. I saw a picture from Xavier today. They're they're uh, bringing students back this week. It's like you guys are waiting until the final hour to try to plan out something that you've known about since the beginning of the year, essentially, to try to figure out. And this whole rollout has been disastrous from the start. Yeah. Now one not thing. On, not only that, they just released the schedule for the Big Ten. They just <laughs> right. put together a schedule. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. One step thing after step was bad. One thing that is very interesting about this is that the fact that when talking about canceling the season, at first there was no like straight answer. And then it kind of became like, yes, medical experts. But if you looked really closely to what they were saying, it kind of became it was more clear, like, no, it's a liability issue for the Big Ten. And that that's 100 percent what it ended up getting to. And so I guess this is a good point to talk about kind of why it happened and, and do we think it's the right move or not. At the end of the day, it's absolutely a liability issue. College football time and time again has showed us that athlete safety isn't exactly priority number one, um, which actually I think rolls into a part that we haven't really been saying 
out loud that we'll get to in a moment. Um, but it's a liability issue. And it's a liability issue that's complex in a way because for every argument we present for or against this decision, you can present a pretty decent one. For example, how are they at more at risk playing football than if you're bringing students back on right. to go to class? I think the argument counter that is, well, if one guy in the football team gets gets it, because we don't have instant test results, if he then gets introduced to the rest of the football team because they are in such a group setting, especially usually indoors, between eating meals, working out together, then they're on the field together in close contact, then they go to study rooms to do um, individual position dr- or st- film study. And like they spend so much time together that if you don't have that instantaneous test result, one guy on the team could spread it to everybody in a matter of yeah. seconds. We're seeing so, this with the MLB right now. Exactly. That's, I think that's the counter argument. It's not that it's necessarily they're more at risk by playing football because then, then bring like having them involved in the general pop. It's more of how fast it can spread if just one of them has it and how out of control it can get, especially if they get it before a game and the test results haven't come back because now they're spreading it to another team and it just catches like wildfire. Um, but I guess, yeah, what do you guys think? Do you think it was the right move or, and if not, why, why not? And kind of why it, it all went down this way. Um, I'll, I'll take this first. I, I do think it was kind of the right move. I, I think it was a little odd the way they handled it. Cause even just on Saturday, I was thinking, you know, the big 10, they put this position themselves to start September 3rd before kids are really like fully into the swing of things in campus and, and nothing's really had too much of a chance to possibly spread. So I think they could get like one to two games in and then they'll realize their bad ways and have to shut everything down. Um, but I also don't think it's too much of a coincidence. And I'll echo one of the points of the radio hosts up in Michigan here, um, Rico Beard. He said, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 were two of the conferences that had to shut down first because they have – the, the most outspoken players and the possible talk of a players union with with California mm-hmm. um, legalizing pay for players and then Northwestern trying to unionize um, with, with those two things and a big champions for college athletes rights, so to speak. Yeah, for me, it's clearly the right decision, just solely based on player safety. I do not know how you tell a parent of a student that your child uh, died because they were playing a sport where you run a ball from one end of the field to the other end of the field um, for a very preventable, or at least where you can take measures to prevent this type of uh, illness. It just doesn't make sense. I it The other thing, too, as uh, you alluded to Rico Beer, uh, he brought up a point where does the Big Ten have enough money to fight a lawsuit like that? What if, you know, we find out five years down the line that COVID, we already see these heart, the heart conditions that people can get. Mm-hmm. What if what if something else happens and now you have all these students coming back or former players coming back and suing the Big Ten for billions and billions of dollars? You know, will it can the Big Ten survive something like that? So I think that they I think the Big Ten made the right decision. And we see we have seen that the Big Ten is a lot of times the first to make these types of decisions i don't know if that's a coincidence or if the big 10 is just like well if we do it everyone else has to do it i I don't know 
Well, I think they also could have to at a point like, a point in time like this with uh, with with uh, um, Jerry Sandusky at Penn State, then the the Ohio right. State doctor, the Michigan doctor, Larry Nasser, um, all of those lawsuits yeah, can't coming out. <laughs> yeah, you can't, can't really afford another lawsuit or any more bad publicity. So that actually gets me to one of my points because I, I think it's something that nobody, most people haven't really been talking about it at all. And I think from the president's standpoint, I think they're all smart enough to realize historically, even to this day, especially within football culture and athletic departments, the attitude to win at all costs comes into play here because, and I'm not, I, and I'd like to think that these coaches would rise to the occasion. If their star players contract COVID, they wouldn't try to hide the test results. Or if their kids asymptomatic and not really showing any issues, right. they wouldn't try to roll them out in a big game. Like if 15 players on LSU and Alabama test positive before that game, you know, but they're all asymptomatic and not showing any issues and not having any problems. Do they try to roll them out? And I'm not saying those programs would. I would like to think that they would rise to the occasion and realize, you know, this is something different than kind of past injuries or things like that. But we've seen this from covering up sexual assaults, covering up player injuries, rolling players out who are obviously concussed and should have been taken to the sideline, but they roll them out again. I yes. think I think part of that equation went in, and it it's that this is kind of the football mentality, which I get because if anybody who's played football knows you accept a certain amount of risk, and it's a tough, brutal game. And there is that kind of... There is that extra push that, you know what, I can tough it out. But some of these things you can't tough out, and I think that aspect of it plays a role in these presidents' minds of going, we almost can't trust the athletic departments to make the right decision and open us even to more liability. Yeah. Which is even the second point I think is even bigger is kind of there is so much still unknown about this, which makes right. it so tough to do things. We are undoubtedly in a position right now, and we don't try to get super political on the show, but one of the things we're going forward and, and staying kind of in our lane is we're not afraid to talk about politics in the larger scope because I think sports intersect a lot. And I'm not talking necessarily political parties, but COVID response has been politicized, and this mask issue has been politicized, and these go hand in hand. And as I think it was Trevor Bauer in the MLB, the Reds pitcher, who said, sports yeah. are a reward for a functioning society. Right now, we are not functioning because we can't even get a very simple public health measure in place of just wearing a mask, just as like a common courtesy to other people. Right. And because of that, our country has struggled. At one, that's one of the reasons. There are so many other reasons, too. But that politicalization just around that one issue is one of the reasons we have to have these conversations and we might not get to have football. The other point I will make, too, around player safety, and then I'll kind of toss this back to you guys is we don't know what the long-term effects here are. We no. don't know what the heart issue might present further down and how much exertion the body can take after recovering from COVID. We do know two very definitive things. The most at risk for this are the elderly and obese people and people with pre-existing conditions. I don't know if you've taken a look at football teams, but there are a lot of old coaches and there are a lot of overweight guys on the football team. And we do not know how that is going to respond, how they are going to respond on the football field if they have, an, one, we don't know who has underlining medical conditions, and two, right. if they develop that heart issue, say an offensive lineman does or a defensive lineman, we don't know their max production. They're in a game. Their hearts could potentially give out, and then that's a kid dying on the field. Like The, the trade-off, the risk-reward here 
is not really equal, especially when you know the vast majority of these kids are not going to make it to the league. The vast majority of these kids who are not the vast majority, but the majority of kids who actually make it to the league are only going to last. I think the average is like three years. So the risk reward here is potentially off, but it's also tough because like Joe Burrow put, if he didn't play last year, he's not a first round pick. So it is, it sucks for these guys who like have been grinding it out who might not get their season senior year to prove themselves as NFL worthy talent. There's just so much going on there, but those are, those are things that come to mind when I'm thinking of this. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's America will survive. if We don't have football in the fall. I know people are acting like we won't, but I guarantee you that we will survive. Secondly, these are student athletes. And I know we're getting into the conversation about like, amateur athletes and if they should get paid or but as of right now as it stands today they are student athletes which the word student comes before athletes so um let them don't put them at risk more risk than they're already at with playing college football and then thirdly like if we're pushing this to spring in the hopes that um maybe we can handle this better as the country we come together or there is some sort of vaccine yeah, it'll be a weird season, but it'll be – I think people will like having March Madness and college football happening at the same time. I mean, it will get back – things will get back to normal 2023, I guess? 2020 – yeah, but it, yeah. it'll it happen. It'll get back to normal. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you have anything there on that, Tim, but it's – I'm, I'm even nervous there will be even a spring. Not necessarily – the fact that we might not have either an antiviral type of drug that people can take to limit this risk or a vaccine, but just the fact that the, these big power five conferences didn't have the foresight to plan this out further ahead. I'm worried they're not going to really plan out a spring season, but um, it's going to be weird. And it sucks. I, I, I've also hated the line that people have been rooting against football. Like I'm going to tell you right now, I am, I live for football. Like my, the fall is my happiest time of year. I wake up, I get my coffee ready, I turn on game day, and then I literally sit on my couch the rest of the day and watch football and gamble. And like, it is the happiest I am. I don't do anything. Like it is, it's not probably a positive for like my girlfriend or like my other friends out there, but like, that is what I do. It is my life. I am, I live for football. Like when I was younger, I used to be like, and this is sad, but like, I'd be like, man, I hope I don't die because I want to see the next Avengers movie. Now it's like, man, I hope I don't die because I want to see next year's football season. Like, this is what I live for. So I am upset that it's being canceled. But like, there are bigger things at play here. And like, the worst thing you want to have happen is something like, I mean, just look at Clemson. They had 14 players test positive at like the beginning of their camp. What happens if Trevor Lawrence is one of those guys who tests positive, and yes, he's not technically a guy that's at risk, but we still don't know all the factors that go into it, and he develops that heart issue, and he can never play football again. Like, right. these are the things we have to think about, and I, football players are always going to want to play. The, the player is always going to want to play, but there is kind of that mentality, and it sucks to say because they, they are adults. And, like, we're having these conversations, like, they should be able to make their own decisions. But there's also that kind of idea that, like, at 18, 19 years old, like, right. the future, thinking about the future isn't always there. And sometimes you do have to make the decision for the best interest of the players. And it's it's tough. I wish that the NCAA had thought this out further in advance. I wish they had had a plan in place 
that said, you know what, if we get to August and we haven't made progress in this country on this virus, here's how we're going to approach this. Because, I mean, how the players in just, like, were more organized. What Justin Fields sent out, if they were going to play, it all sounds good. Like, we we want to play this season. We're establishing universal mandated health and safety procedures and protocols to protect athletes, giving players the opportunity to opt out. And if they decide to opt out, that doesn't affect their eligibility. They can just get that year back the following year. Like the players came together and had more well thought out points than it felt like the adults in the room and the power five, which is what makes this whole thing feel rushed and bad. And it's weird. And then you have conferences like the SEC who said, fuck it, let's go, let's roll. Um, funny enough, the ACC doesn't, I know they get talked about, but they're not really like, <laughs> have we really been talking, has anybody really been talking about the ACC and what they care? Like, nobody cares. Like, it's Big Ten, what are you doing? SEC, what are you doing? Big 12, what are you doing? And Pac-12. Yeah. yeah. Also, no one cares if Nebraska wants to leave the Big Ten. <laughs> no, At, they no can one leave. cares. They, they can leave. Can leave. We, they were supposed to. <laughs> they were supposed to lift up that side of the division, and what have they done? They've been four and eight every year. They are terrible. They're a dumpster fire. Yep. It's, they're worthless. And I mean, for Wisconsin, you got to be happy, you guys. I mean, every year you're the definition of mediocre. We don't have not not maybe mediocre. You're the most. You're the definition of like steadiness within every year mm-hmm. you get the same product out of wisconsin the same product out of ohio state like the big 10 is consistent as fuck here's one thing i will say i know michigan and ohio state are playing around with this whole like or i, I don't know if they actually legally be able to do this like let's go play in the sec careful what you wish for there because i think huh. the arguments we always have every year how good because these teams be in the sec right i think they're in for a rude awakening if that were to happen <laughs> it's interesting for a team like ohio state that has uh, revenue sharing with other schools in the Big Ten. So I don't know if legally they would ever be able to play outside. Nebraska, maybe. Penn State, maybe. But not a school like Ohio State and not, definitely not a school like Michigan. And to draw up those contracts so quick, like, this is feasible. In a realistic world, this would this can't happen unless, like, I think if we were at like World War Three or something, and there was just not that many college students, right? That's the only way I could see something like that happen. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's you're a talking. Yeah. You're, you're talking logistics in an in a non-real society right now, though, Dante. Yeah. In, a, in a group of guys who did That's not true. come together until the last minute to figure this all out, <laughs> which right. is even the foresight well, is that, just. That's what sucks too. They were, they were have always just been in a cover your ass mode, and that's really what this, that's really what this was. There's no real forward thinking to it. I mean, waiting this long, even to cancel it, is insane. Yeah. It yeah, it's absolutely absurd. And I get the whole like waiting to see like if we made more progress on the virus or if some type of pill you could take that you know, kind of water down the effects to say, or give you a better response to, to Corona, but you should have had a good contingency plan and a well thought out one. And like, it just, it feels like last minute, like, Oh shit, the papers do. And it's 10 o'clock the night before. And we're about to pull an all nighter and try to figure it out. Like the, like, that's not what we need. And it, it sucks because now you have all these conferences, which I think brings them to the other point. It's like, what does this big 10 decision do? Do we think it's going to hit the dominoes? I don't know if I mean I know there's some rumblings that the ACC might call it this week, um, but I think the SEC is going to try to give it a go. And I, so I don't really know. And it's also weird because 
the NCAA football is one of those weird sports where it does feel like the power five really make the decisions. The NCAA is more like the, the cop they hired to try to police them. But like at the end of the day, they're the ones calling the shots. I don't really know how it's going to work. If just a handful of conferences are going for it. And it's weird. It's a weird hodgepodge of things. It's interesting that you said that because I was thinking about that too. I was like, in basketball, the NCAA feels like the dad in the room. Yeah, right? I mean, they but crown in, the champion. Yeah. Right. But in football, no, it's kind of like it's it's a loose collection of, it really feels like a loose collection of schools that just belong to the same fraternity, for lack of a better term. And that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> They're, the NCAA is the night guard that they hire to watch the convenience store, and they don't really care if a bag of chips gets stolen. They're just watching the safe, really. Like, that's it. They're watching the big money. Like, that's that's all really the NCAA is really hired to do, and the rest of them, just, they just kind of run the shop, which is which is what created this situation, to be honest. I'm not saying the NCAA would have done a much better job, even though we kind of get, get into, like, what they're sort of thinking with the basketball. But yeah. it does feel like because the overarching body, which is the NCAA – is not more involved in football. This is kind of what, like you're reaping what you sow here. And it's these power fives are sort of out to figure it out on their own. Yeah. I think the SEC will play. I don't think they will play long. I don't either. Yeah. It, I think they might get well, one or two games. Yeah. You're already starting to see what's coming out of Florida state with what Mike Norvell is yes. doing down there. I mean, um, there's been rumors of just, not taking as many precautions and they had a player test positive he posted about it on twitter and then it got taken down that next day it's just you never really know what's going on down there either yeah and that's the part i was talking about where it's it has to play in the president's minds of they just can't they don't trust their ad's and their coaches to do the right thing and do the right thing by their players and part of that is part of the equation i don't buy that they're looking out for player safety as much they're they're looking out for liability and the liability insurance that they don't have to cover this at the end goal but you know, and the Big Ten has two doctors that are the presidents of their schools. So, you know, there's also that part. Um, but we're seeing with basketball now. And I think that's a good point to transition to before we kind of transition to the rest of the show is the basketball season is kind of the next one up. Mm-hmm. They, I think, have hope for better sort of being able to create bubbles and actually getting a season. But I do think it's going to be if they do have a season, I think college basketball is going to be the one sport that feels the weirdest to watch without fans outside of college yeah. football. because The play in the college level and basketball is honestly gets masked a lot by fan environment because there are so many schools outside of maybe the top 10 that are really bad at basketball. And it kind of gets masked by the environment that college basketball creates. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you. I think crowd and home court advantage matters the most in college basketball. Although there are studies that say that that's becoming less and less true over the years as players become better. But as as just a gut feeling, I would say that the crowd matters. I think they will figure something out for basketball. It's going to be I think it's going to be hard because we are still talking about children and we see what happened at camp for the NFL here uh, today, right? Where the player got cut for trying to sneak in Seahawks. a yep. Seahawks. So, <laughs> yeah. So I can only imagine what's going to happen in that college bubble. Yeah. I, it was in uh, me and Tim have talked about this because it happened in our conference, the big East Seton Hall's coach, Kevin Willard did bring up the one kind of advantage that basketball has is if they decide just to do conference play and then launch in the tournament, which the tournament itself sort of creates a bubble because the teams are all at the hotel and you're just banging games out really quickly. 
if you just do conference play, you can essentially shift the schedule to past Thanksgiving, which all students on most major campuses are then going to be gone. Because at least I know with Xavier, they they're just kind of busting out the semester. They're not really taking any breaks. And then after Thanksgiving, kids aren't coming back. So you could try to cause it's going to be harder for schools like Cincinnati, like Xavier, who are in cities because the kids can go downtown and go out still. But on like campuses that are more out there, it might be a little bit easier to create the bubble atmosphere that might give them the benefit because football, there's just so much personnel that goes into it. It's impossible to really bubble. But even that's going to be tough. But we have seen it work in the pros. So, yeah. And I guess, too, it'll be the winter and we're not it won't be the summer. So there might be less of an incentive to go out. That's also a very good point because, you know, people will not be conjugating as much. I mean, they might be conjugating as much, but they're not going to have as many places to go because of rules that states have put in as far as capacity goes and things like mm-hmm. that. So that's a good point. It's a very and good there's point. a lot less people to keep track of. You got 150 kids on a on a football team. You got you got uh, if you include the managers, what, 18 to 20 kids on a yeah. team? And with football, the ecosystem around them to support it is also bigger. Like yeah. the, just the amount of training staff you have cleaners, chefs, cooks, like all these people that they come in contact with is greater. So the volume to try to control this is harder. So I think we'll have success with college basketball. I think they'll, they're more positioned to be more successful, which is good because I think if we went the year with, without both major college sports, I mean, the United States is already sort of burning, but like it would, <laughs> it would be just call it a day, pack it in. It's been a good run boys, but fall of Rome is here. <laughs> um, this brings us into the bubble success, though, of pro teams. I mean, can we talk about what the NBA and NHL have done? I mean, bravo. They have – the level of play has not suffered. I know we can we can kind of go NBA and NHL here. Yeah. It's been amazing. Players have been going off left and right. They've been controlling the spread of this. It's been fantastic. Yeah. For the NBA, I was wondering whether we would see, like, people who you don't normally see drop 30 or 40 a game – suddenly without a crowd drop 30 or 40 and we have seen that a few times i think the mb i think we got over to the not uh having a crowd very Mm, quickly it was weird at first but now it's kind of like oh they're just playing a tournament in florida and not that many people can come right it it feels like an ncaa tournament almost like environment I think that's almost made it even better from a competitive standpoint. Like you're seeing it, like the rivalries are exploding even more. Personal beefs are starting up, I think at a higher rate. I mean, the NBA has always been a little bit more drama filled um, between players, beefs and things like that. But because they're just kind of in this, they're on top of each other essentially the whole time when they leave the court, because they're in the same complex, all of that, like the Dame Lillard, uh, Pat Beverly thing. Yeah. Hilarious. I mean, like fantastic. And like, I saw Marcus Smart was going after somebody the other day and like the cafeteria, like it's been, I think that has risen the level of play even higher because they're just, they got nothing else to do. They're seeing each other constantly. They're kind of getting under each other's skins and their game is just rising even higher. Like Dame looked as you, you texted me the other day, he looked possessed and he did. It was insane. The game he put on. Booker, you could say the same thing with Booker on the Suns. Like, and the Suns, I mean, come on, rolling through this. Who saw that coming? Vegas didn't. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Vegas has already been having a hard, hard couple months with this Corona thing. Now they're just getting worked over by everybody who's been betting the Suns. So it's been, it's been interesting. I'll say that. It has been a, a lot of fun to watch. I haven't gotten into the NBA too much, but 
watching the NHL, there have been so many overtime games, super competitive when we're getting into this now. It's been incredible to watch. So does the NHL have the, like the NBA, where there's games at like one o'clock in the afternoon while I'm at work? Yeah. They just started that recently, I think. Or have they been doing that the whole time, Nate? And I just haven't been paying that close attention. Um, they've had day games, but it's been it hasn't been exactly like one. Um, they usually start at like four ish. Um, they had one go at one yesterday, Bruins, because as Tim was alluding to, a five OT game between who was it? It was uh, the Leeds and Columbus. Or, yes. Yeah, Montreal. No. Or no, it was Columbus and who? Lightning. Sorry, Columbus. Goodness. Yeah, it was, the it was another blue team. Yeah, they all got the same damn colors. I was gonna say, <laughs> remove the lightning bolt and the uh, the leaves in the Tampa Bay have the exact same uh, uniforms. But like they had to move the Boston game because they they're doing the same thing, but they're they're hubbing in two different cities. So the Eastern Conference is one, and the Western Conference is in another. Um, but yeah, they had one game go off at one. But it's been phenomenal hockey. It's been super competitive. The exhibition, I know, I know this from the Boston standpoint. The Bruins were treating it more as exhibition games. My goodness. Um, So they weren't playing as hard, but the rest of the league has been playing phenomenal hockey. And same in the NBA. I did not expect – I thought it was going to be a little worse going into it initially, but without the crowds, they've they've thrived, to be honest. Yeah. I I thought it was going to be weird, but it feels like the playoffs. It it really does. The one thing you're seeing in the NBA, though, is, uh, and I know we always talk about LeBron or criticize LeBron James about this, but literally until the fourth quarter, no one is playing defense. No. (laughs) They are not playing defense. And then they they look up and like, oh, wait, the game is about to end. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was sort of saying that, I forget who I was talking to about this. Somebody was asking me, like, what do you think they're going to do? Because the next year's season is technically going to start here, like, in a couple months. Like, if this was normal circumstances, like, do you think they'll delay it? And I was like, honestly, outside of the two teams that make it to the championship, none of these guys are going to be playing that long. And none of them are playing, hard, like, defense right now. So, like, they're not going to be all that tired. You probably could start the season up at normal time. I, that's another question because you can't bubble guys that long. But that's that's kicking the can down the other road. But that is a good point. Like, it – it's the NBA, though. I mean, what do you what do you expect? <laughs> oh, I would think I would expect the NBA because the NBA has always been like it doesn't start it doesn't start getting interesting until after Christmas, anyways. And I would expect them to like start the season tip off at Christmas. Yeah, and yeah. Then bleed the season in longer, just like this. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. It's the bubbles have worked, and and I think you're seeing it with baseball, and I think you're going to see it with the NFL. It's not going to work in professional sports. I mean, just looking at hard knocks, like they were doing a good job. I watched that hard knocks episode. I don't know if you guys saw it, but like the things that they're already having to do, like they're not going to be in pads until week three, like one football is gonna be super sloppy to start, but two, like these guys are in a bubble right now, but these guys are going to break. Like they are going to kind of go off and because you're not keeping them consolidated. There's just too many factors out there that I just, I think it's going to be, like if your offensive line catches it, you're screwed. <laughs> like you're gonna what are have you gonna a do? lot more Lou Wheels going to the strip club in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's true. What, yeah, then, what are you gonna do if your your quarterback catches it? Nobody yeah. has backup quarterback. Pat Mahomes goes down. I mean, the minimum's two weeks. Maybe he gets the bad end of it. I know we're all like, hey, they're young, they're in shape, but it's like you don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe he's got an underlying condition he doesn't know about yet, and it triggers that. Like. I mean, All I know it. is that the NFL cannot 
if they're going, I don't think, I, I think America will implode if we don't have some semblance of an NFL season, just football is king. But if the NFL decides to follow the MLB um, it's, model, it's, it's over. It won't last long. I suggested a couple episodes ago doing hub cities where you put the conference, each division yeah. city, have them knock out like six games, let them break for a week or two, then come back and move them around that way. But it's, I mean, this is also showing the weakness of football. They Because America is addicted to it, they haven't really had to be – they haven't had to innovate and had to think ahead like other leagues have had to have, have as much. And so you see them right now getting caught blindside because they're really just like, whatever, we'll throw it out there and play, and we'll see what happens. And it, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> I just saw an advertisement for an NFL football game scheduled on September 10th. So are they just like – operating as normal just like they did the draft ignoring yeah. everything that's going yes. on and yeah. just yes. gonna play like normal so they're not even gonna take like the precautions that even the mlb did or the negotiating that the mlb had to do they're just gonna kind of they did some negotiating go. with the players union and it's ongoing so like they're increasing they're keeping everyday testing a little bit longer got broken out too they're not in contact until week three they're just doing walkthroughs as if you watch the hard knocks episode which by the way that when that hard knocks music hits, my blood just starts going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing. I don't. I don't know how as a human being you don't have a positive reaction to that. It was a weird episode too. It's weird, but like they're not having contact. They're just doing walkthroughs. Um, they're doing a lot of film study, book study like that, which honestly is probably pretty good for the rookies, especially like rookie quarterbacks, like not having kind of this like being thrown into the fire right away and and kind of having this time to adjust a little bit is probably nice. But yeah, I just. It's going to be weird. It's going to be a weird season. I, I hope it goes well. Because like I said, my life is football at this point. But I'm doubtful. I'm a Debbie Downer here. And I and yeah. it, I know it's not fun, but I just – I'm trying to be as realistic as I can be. The NFL has the edge because they play their players – or they pay their players. It's a profession. These are professional athletes. They can determine the risk-reward on their own terms. They can opt out if they want to. Well, they could have opted out. They're now past that deadline. Um Nice job, NFL, also getting that to the number 69. I mean, <laughs> if that wasn't planned. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be weird and it'll be interesting. I just I just think without bubbles, we've seen we've seen a league, we've seen two leagues now do bubbles, it's been successful. We've seen one league in the MOB not do a bubble, it's been unsuccessful. I don't know yeah. what make thinks what they make what makes them think that it's gonna be any different for them. And then uh, across the pond, some soccer leagues are doing that hub city model yeah. of yeah. yeah. So, but I think that that for, to me that makes the most sense. Like, all right, we everybody's gonna play in Detroit, although that's not where they will play. But everybody will play in Detroit, in the you know the NFC. Yep. You know. Yeah, I had like NFC South. Everybody will play in Atlanta for like, and they'll just knock out six games because you got to play your you got to play your conference opponents twice. That's six games right there. Knock it out, see how it goes. Yeah, it's a little different. It's a little weird. Okay. And then seed them after that and have them play. You got to adjust the rosters a little bit. But, like, this idea of flying them in and out the day of, like, Seattle's not going to be able to do that. They fly to the East Coast. They got to fly back to the West Coast the same day. Do you want every player in IR? Like, that's just not going to work. We're not thinking logically here, people. We have brains. Let's use them. Ah, Right. I I love your idea of the hub (laughs) cities. And you just play six games or eight games or whatever you need and then knock those out and then – rotate or you're you're only there for six weeks at a time take a take a week off everybody has a bye week at the same time and then you move on i mean you have these incredible high school stadiums now that they've been building so there's plenty of practice facilities the college football 
season is not going on. So you have Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Yep. It's, I mean, it just takes a little thinking and a little work to, well, it'd take a lot of work logistically, but you could do it. Like you're the NFL, you can move mountains. It's just, that is who I feel the worst about. Cause you brought it up. I do feel for the high school athletes who like are trying to get recruited and like, it's their senior year. I don't know how college football is going to recruit or any college sport, to be honest, yeah. field hockey, whatever sports going on in the fall. Like you rely a lot on senior performances to figure out. I mean, a lot of guys, let me break that out. Most big time colleges have already know who they're recruiting. They've already given offers out. Like you have an idea. I'm talking more of like, I feel bad for that senior who's still fighting for a D one scholarship or fighting for a power five scholarship who is really relying on their senior year to put them over the top or maybe, you know, just looking for something like that. That sucks. I don't know how you address that. That's a big, that's a different issue and a bigger topic for another day. But yeah. that is, that's who I feel for the most in all of these well, situations. Do you know what they're doing like in Ohio and Illinois? Because Michigan's just kind of, they're sort of going as normal. Yeah. yeah. I just, it's like school, it's based on school district here, I'm pretty sure. Like some school yeah. districts have said no sports, and then others are like, no, we're sports are going. I mean, in baseball, for a lot of people, are go- is going on no matter what. Yeah, because yeah, the MHSAA is just kind of operated as normal. It's different throughout the country because I, I know I've been following the news. I think some have canceled and some I think here locally they're playing. But we'll see once again how long that lasts. I mean, yeah, if you have an too. explosion at the high school, it could like it's just it's a mess. And we, we got into this mess because of how we handled it in this country. Other countries have better grasped on it and it sucks. Um, Everybody can't be New Zealand. To, to back up to uh, Tim's point about seeing that advertisement for the nfl the nfl is planning on as of right now to have fans in the stadiums that is the wildest thing and that's <laughs> team by team because i think the yeah. redskins came out and said they're not doing fans and then dallas immediately came out and said we're doing fans and it's yeah. like what the hell are we doing people i mean kentucky derby is running and i think they're they got rid of the infield thank god but I think they're limiting it to 20,000 still. And it's like 20,000. 20, I think I saw that number and I might be wrong, but what? like, hopefully you didn't add a zero there. Cause that's yeah. a little different, but my God, even 2000, I mean the lions, they just sent out their season ticket holder memo and they finally, uh, what was it like Monday? They finally allowed people to opt out of their season tickets and still keep them for 2021. But they're still, if you defer, you yeah. can still buy tickets for this 23, year. 23,000 fans will be allowed. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh my God. That, that's the most shocking thing to be revealed during this podcast. <laughs> I had no idea. Fans. Yeah. Oh, my Unreal. God. Um, you guys got anything else on that before I, I well, move that, on? That's, that's crazy. It's not even like they can social distance once they get in there. Like, like getting 23,000 people in and out of a designated area. Yeah. Oh, have either of you ever been? I've never actually been there. Me neither. Thank God they closed. And the reason I had like the visceral reaction of like, thank God they closed the infield. There is only one way in and one way out of the infield. And it is through a tunnel underground. And it is like, I don't know. It feels like an hour to get out after it's done. Like you were just sitting in a tunnel forever underground back to back with everybody. Like, Thank God they were smart enough to cancel the infield. <laughs> it is a it's a hell show to get out of. Someone is going to get sick here and and it'd be horrible. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. I mean, it is it is what it is. I can't I can't help 
certain people. It's just this is Darwin's. I That's mean, like the 2,000 people who just attended Sturgis and went to a Smash Mouth concert. Like, I'm not losing <laughs> my life for Shrek music. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. That is good. Um, all right, moving on to wrap this up. I got one more bit here because one sport, they're going this weekend. I have to bring them up, the UFC. They have also been phenomenal in this. A little easier, though, because your fight camps are a lot smaller. If people, you aren't buying this fight, that's fine. But I'm telling you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why you should. The heavyweight contest at the top of this ticket, Stipe versus Daniel Cormier, is the ending of Cormier's career. He's done after this. But these are two of the finest athletes as far as, like, role models you can find in all of sports. These are two awesome, awesome, awesome guys who are also awesome fighters. I mean, you have Daniel Cormier, who's an Olympic wrestler for Team USA. He's a fantastic UFC fighter. He's been a fantastic champion. He's a two-division champion. You have Stipe, who is an absolute monster on his feet striking-wise. He has been the most successful heavyweight in the history of the UFC, only losing to Daniel Cormier, which was a fantastic fight. These two guys are top of the food chain when it comes to fighting. So you have that fight. In that fight, I'm going to give you my pick. I'm picking Cormier. I think it's going to be close, but I think because he has so much riding on this as his last fight in a historic career, I got him. Then you got the rest of the card, which here's the one thing I'm going to tell you. We could all go into individual fights in a, a special fight night preview that I'm going to do and release on Saturday. Saturday night is striker's delight. If you are somebody who doesn't like to buy UFC cards because it's such, it can be such a gamble sometimes because you find kind of grappling and strategic fighting a little boring you just like kind of smash mouth striking ufc fights this is the card for you i mean top to bottom it's littered with phenomenal strikers so look for my preview on saturday um i'm gonna do a fight night kind of my picks for the whole card um but it's gonna be a fantastic card i know i don't think either one of you are like big ufc guys but i'm just throwing it out there for the rest of the crowd it is it's fantastic this i'm so excited for this fight Invite some friends over, order the paper. Well, maybe not invite some friends over. Whoa, but whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not invite some friends over. If you've been quarantining with friends, have them come yeah. into. Uh, watch it over Zoom. Yeah, watch it over Zoom. Um, <laughs> do that. I'm not. Let's not. Got to back it up a little bit. I got, I got very excited for a second and forgot what we're dealing with here. But it's going to be fantastic. Um, I'm going to pour myself a couple whiskey gingers, and it's going to be a great night. Um, which, by the way. I was having this conversation. I think ginger ale, I'm putting it out there now, not Canada Dry, fuck that, Schweppes ginger ale, one of the most underrated sodas in the world. Um, I would agree with you, but it's definitely Verner's. I haven't definitely had, Verner's. I'll try Verner's. All right, I'll give it a try. I'm a big Schweppes guy. I, I, hate, I can't Canada Dry. Get I will that. say this, though. If you like Schweppes because it's less sweet than Canada Dry, then, then you won't like Verner's because Verner's is very sweet. Well, I'll still give it a try, but that's exactly why I like Schweppes. It's yeah, left. that's what I figured. <laughs> <laughs> Read my mind there. Uh, oh, before we go, I have to give you guys this one fact. Little NFL, because there's been some big signings. Greg Kittle got signed. Travis Kelsey got signed. This is just kind of a reminder. This is my final thought. I'll give you guys some a chance to say any final thoughts you have here. This is just shocking to me and, once again, highlights why the Patriots are just a different organization altogether. The Chiefs have spent 200 – this is coming from Tucker – uh, Baton, 
Poten. I don't know. Sorry if I mispronounced your last name there, Tucker. I haven't verified this, but I follow him. He's a New England sports guy. He tweeted, the Chiefs have spent $232 million in guaranteed money on extensions this offseason. Do four four contracts. Yep, hold up the right fingers there. The Patriots have spent $226 million in guaranteed money in the last six offseasons between 36 contracts. That is, I mean, good for the Chiefs players because obviously the Chiefs have players that can ball out and that money is being well spent. But still, that is just, it's just another reason. Like, I think we've been spoiled. Hate them, love them, whatever. We have been spoiled in this era by just how insanely good the New England Patriots organization has been run top to bottom when it comes to every aspect of football management. It is, it's another, it's, I don't know if we'll ever see that again in our lifetime. Shout out also to Greg Kittle for getting five years, 75 million. Fantastic signing on the 49ers. Shout, shout out to pardon my take for convincing everybody his name is Greg Kittle and not George Kittle. Yeah, shit. Well, my bad. <laughs> I know. I just, I didn't see you. My bad. My bad. <laughs> that is on me. I just, I automatically list it off every time. I'm also horrendous with names though. So like, just take that as a grain of salt. I never get names right. <laughs> yeah. I think it's crazy. Tight ends are getting paid this much money. I, I do too, except for, so I was doing it. This final thought's going to actually turn into a little bit of conversation. <laughs> I like it, though. I think it makes, like, um, Kittle makes a 1,000% to me because he he blocks. He's a great blocking tight end, so he gives you an edge there. He's essentially like another offensive lineman, and he has the most yards after catch out of all the tight ends. So, like, you're getting, like, his production deems it. But, yeah, I think we're going to see this position group. Kelsey does, too, but Kelsey's not. I don't think he's great. Kittle. They're weird. Um, they're great. I mean, they're fantastic, but it's a little different. Um, George, I think this, right? George. His name is George. George. <laughs> I keep, I keep, I keep, I keep. Sorry. This is not my area of expertise. I do a lot of things good well. All right? Good well. I do a lot of things well. This is not – speaking isn't always one of them, which is weird because I host an auditory – on an auditory platform, but whatever. Um, and it is this position group, though, because – Gronk changed it forever. Now everybody wants a good tight end. They're going to spend money on tight ends. It's it's the new hot thing in the NFL. But these two guys, I think, they deserve it. I mean, they're just – they're on another planet. Don't let Lions fans hear you say that because then they'll justify drafting tight ends. <laughs> they, they already want to. Don't, don't, don't get me started on that. I was just going to say you could see a lot more money be spent on tight ends. Oh, you across the league you because, are. Because – Sure. Because they have proven how valuable and how big of a game changer some of them can be with their check down there, being able to block spring running backs for runs, and then their huge gameplay or um, big playability where they can run right down the seam and catch the ball 30 yards down and then just throw one of those DBs right to the ground. Yeah, I mean, I could make an argument that having a tight end like Travis Kelsey and Kittle is virtually outside of the quarterback, one of the most important positions on the offense. They are the most, like they are, if you have one of those guys, pay them because they are game changers. Cause you, they do everything. They're Swiss army nice. Um, but the problem is if you don't have one of those two guys and you're paying an average tight end, big money, that's a mistake. Cause that could go, it's like paying running backs. Some running backs are worth it. But it's like paying them, a tight end top 10 pick and paying a top <laughs> 10 pick money. But that's that's neither here nor there. Um, I mean, you see with, with George Kittle, George Kittle, out in San Francisco, and you don't know you don't know too many of the wide receivers, do you? 
Do I? Right. I mean, I mean, I know you do know them, but <laughs> but it's not like they have a huge name wide receiver. Like he's yeah. their biggest wide receiver as a tight end. Yeah, and as a playmaker, yeah, he. I, I get what you're saying. Yes, he is. He's your biggest asset right now on offense. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I agree. Um, any last thoughts from the, the two of you? I, I've already given mine. I, I'll kind of leave it as that. Leave. Nebraska can leave. That's my <laughs> final thought. <laughs> Fair. We'll end it on that. And stop going to listen to Shrek music. Public. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't lose your life listening to Shrek music. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it for us. As always, peace. Peace. Oh, <laughs>